Before this week's episode, we wanted to share some exciting news. We have heard your feedback on our audio. Trust us, we feel your pain, and we are so happy to announce that we've updated our recording software to Riverside to provide you all with a better viewing and listening experience. Since we do record our episodes in advance, please bear with us over this one more episode. And thank you all so much for being here and sticking with us throughout this year of growth and improvement as a podcast. We really wouldn't be here without each and every one of you. We can't wait to see you on the next one and enjoy the episode. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Hello, everybody out there, patients and new people. If you're new here, I am Darcy, one of your co-hosts. And I am Shannon, the other co-host. We're going to go ahead and shout out all of our current patients and listeners to the to the podcast. You can go ahead and skip ahead a few seconds. There will be timestamps if you're watching on YouTube, so you can just skip ahead. But we want to say hello to everybody. And let me pull it up. And I also did want to say that we have 38 states now. So I don't know who the new states are because I haven't looked in a while, but that's a fun one. Okay. So hello to everybody in the United States, the United Kingdom, India, Ireland, Australia, Bulgaria, Jamaica, Russia, Italy, Belgium, Germany, Canada, the Philippines, Sweden, El Salvador, Poland, Portugal, Mexico, Oman, Norway, Nigeria, Iraq, the United Arab Emirates, Albania, Austria, Cuba, Spain, Iran, Uganda, which I think is new. Hello, Uganda. We're happy to have you. Uh, South Africa and Zimbabwe. So thank you all so much for being here. Welcome if you're brand new. And I guess we'll just jump right into it. Yeah. Are we starting off with my episode? Per use? Of course, of course. Per use? Figure out where I put it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Roll scroll up here. There we are. Okay. So this week, you guys, I have a topic that I actually researched a little while ago. I began research on it. And then I was like, man, I wasn't really feeling it for that week. So I kind of put it on the back burner. And this week, I was kind of, I've been struggling kind of with some topics. I know I kind of want to do another one of like my spooky episodes and then or one of my cryptids or one of the randoms that I do. So if anybody has any like suggestions in that regards, because I get a lot of suggestions, especially from people that I work with, but a lot of them are still about the murder and, you know, about serial killers, which I mean, don't get me wrong, we love because clearly. But, you know, when it comes to those random little side topics, you know, I would love to hear from everybody as to what they're kind of interested in. I can do mythology, which I'm into. I can do a bunch of things. So like I said, just kind of drop a comment and if you guys have any, any requests. But going on this week, we're going to talk about the disappearance of Timothy Pitson. So mm-hmm. I know I do a couple, I've done a couple of disappearances before. So this is another one and this one's a little bit interesting. So we'll kind of just jump right into it. So who is Timothy Pitson and the Pitson family? Timothy Pitson was born in Aurora, Illinois, in the United States on October 18th, 2004. He was an only child to parents James Pitson and Amy Pitt or Amy Fry Pitson. Sorry, that was her maiden name as well. Who um, I do have her age. I didn't grab James's age, but I'm assuming it's similar. She was 43. And he was only six years old at the time of his disappearance. Those parents were older. 
That's um, so like, yeah, I was only six years old. So a little bit about the Pitson family is that it's important to note that this was actually Amy's fourth marriage. So marriage number four. Unfortunately, at this time that Timothy disappeared, James and Amy were known to be experiencing some marital, marital troubles, I should say. This was due to the fact to, I, that I guess James said that he had found out Amy had been in contact with her first husband. So one of her ex-husbands, her first husband. And he naturally kind of believed he's, well, if you're still contacting him, you must still be in love with him. So they were kind of going through some arguments regarding that. And one of the interviews with James, he does admit that he made a statement to Amy that it was this is all read the actual statement itself. So it's in quotations. It, it is either him or me. Pick one. Just know that if you choose him, I will make sure you will not receive custody of Timothy and won't see him again. So that's pretty intense. That's a pretty, pretty big threat. Hey, so well, they, that's a huge threat. I need to flag, but tell me why I can totally see this on like messy TikTok. <laughs> y- yes. Like those uh, slideshows. Oh my God. But side note. Yes. So yeah, this this definitely was a huge deal to Amy to have that be said to her. And the reason why I know a lot of people and a lot of you guys are going to be asking, oh, how can he make a bit a threat that seems so valid? Because we know here in the United States that it's, it's fairly difficult to remove custody from one of the parents in court. But sadly, the judge may see some validity to it because of this fact, Darcy. So. Amy herself actually suffered um, through a lot of like mental health issues. She was known to have severe depression amongst, I think, other things as well. So in her past, she actually did have two suicide attempts. You know, thinking about that, a judge may look and see, is she an unfit mother because of her history? She's tried to kill herself, you know. You know, regardless of, you know, her relationship with Timothy, that is a big red flag in the in the court system. So she's obviously terrified with this threat, you know, oh, my God, what if he really does do this? And then I never get to see my child again, you know. So to me, that was kind of a low blow. I was like, oh, you know. Yeah. OK, but did he say that to her or did he like type that like in a text or something? Do we know? I don't know that much, but I know that she, I think he said, I like he said that to her. And I was going to say, if he texted it to her, like that could work in her favor. Like he's threatening me. That could work in her favor in a custody battle, but damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was really sad because like when I was doing my research, a lot of the family, they kept saying, you know, Amy obviously had her struggles and stuff like that, but when Timothy was born, like that was like her true calling. Like uh, for a lot of females, that's the same way. Like, you know, you don't realize what motherhood does to you. And then when it basically changes you as a person. So, you know, their relationship, they would always say the family would that, you know, Timothy and Amy, like his mom were like two peas in a pod. So they're very like always together. Like they, they loved and enjoyed being with each other. So he's very much kind of like a mama's boy. So yeah, like she obviously was super scared. So let me get into this. So on the actual day of the disappearance, it was May 11th, 2011. So that morning, James, so his 
Timothy's father dropped him off at elementary school like any other normal day. When James went to go pick up Timothy at the end of the school day, the school workers there basically informed him that Amy had picked up Timothy about an hour after he was dropped off by James. So James is like, what the hell? Like, why would she go pick him up and not tell me? Um, And I guess Amy had told the workers there at the school that she was picking Timothy up because there was a family emergency, quotes, family emergency. Obviously, there wasn't really a family emergency. Like James quickly found out. He was like, there's, I don't know of anything that's going on. And so he was kind of mildly concerned, you know. At first, he was like, okay, maybe she just, with everything that's going on, wanted to pick Timothy up, have a day with him just where they can get away. Now, the following day, James realized that they're not back. And this is starting to get more concerning. So he does call the police the following day. Now that fast forward again to the next day after that, Amy will contact two of her family members. So this is now two days after Timothy was taken out of school. And in one article, it basically states that she contacted her mother and her brother-in-law and that she reported to them, like specifically that her and Timothy were safe and that he is not in any risk or any danger. They could even, I guess the family members could even hear Timothy in the background, um, basically doing, you know, what a normal six-year-old kid does, which is like whine saying that he's hungry. Mom, you know, I'm hungry in the background. It's not Mm -hmm. like obviously he's being starved or anything like that, but, you know, just probably wanting some junk food or something. So now here's where it gets to be like a bit of a plot twist. So that was now, so that would be May 13th, 2011, that she contacts her family members on May 14th, 2011, so the next day, now three days after Timothy was taken out of school, a housekeeper at the Rockford Inn in Rockford, Illinois, makes a pretty gruesome discovery. It was not pretty. So Amy was found dead in her room. Her investigators, it appears she had committed suicide by cutting both of her wrists with a knife, slitting her own throat, and she took a lethal dose of antihistamines, so like a Benadryl, basically. I mean, okay, so, I mean, you worked in, I mean, it wasn't like a trauma unit, but you worked in, is it the psych unit? I totally, I, how did I fucking forget this? ICU? No. What was the unit you worked in? You, you're right. So like when I was uh, back in my baby days, when I was just fresh out of high school, I did I was a certified nurse's assistant at the time I was working. It was a trauma unit, but also kind of towards the end of my stay at that hospital, we were piloting the psych unit too. So we ended up having to help staff the psych unit oftentimes. So I was exposed to quite a bit of that. Yeah. Okay. So not only in your experience working in those clinical environments, I mean, I guess it's possible to split both your wrists and your throat, but I guess that would depend on which direction did she slice her wrist? How deep should she cut her wrist? Like, did she do them all very quickly? Because I feel like you bleed out fast. that You couldn't do all three to yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not an easy thing to do. I mean, in general, like having to do any of that, you know, with the severe pain that it causes. Now... I I hope you guys don't take this the wrong way, but so naturally what a lot of people do when they slit their wrists, 
you know, and you see it in movies too, you will basically go, if you're looking at the, your, your hand right now, you go like horizontally. You see that in a lot of movies and stuff where you just go across basically below the palm. And people will do that on both sides. And that's, you know, how they slid their wrist. And please, people don't really take this to to a word, but that's it. It will cause you to bleed out eventually, but that's not the fastest way. So if you were to go down the arm instead in a deeper fashion down the arm, it would definitely cause you to go a lot faster. Um, and like in regards to, you know, the actual splitting of the throat, that's probably honestly what really did it. To me, though, I don't know about you, Darcy. It just seemed like a lot. Like she was dead set on this. Like there, she basically, to me, she's like, well, I'm going to cut not just my wrists, but I'm going to cut my throat. And then God forbid either one of those don't kill me. I'm going to also basically take absurd amount of medications to make sure like I'm dead, dead. Do the medications first, because that would make no sense to take them after. No, no. Yeah, she definitely took them first. I'm like, it had to been like almost pretty quickly rapid secession. So she probably took the meds. Maybe if she thought in her head, like she didn't want to go out that way or what, or maybe she's afraid. So then maybe she decided to do the cutting of her. Oh, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, either way, I mean, she was definitely pretty serious. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty extensive way to do it. There's a lot, yeah, and it's such a dark thing to say, but there's a lot of easier ways to kill yourself. And a lot less painful ways to kill yourself. And I understand that not all people opt for those options. They they have their own reasons for doing what they did. I mean, do we know what her previous suicide attempts were? I didn't see that in any of my research personally, but I, so I don't know. But, you know, of course, the common one is, you know, cutting herself, you know. So I don't know if that's what she did or tried to overdose. I don't know. And maybe because of those past experiences, she's, you know, I'm like definitely for, for sure, for sure this time, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Something feels like rushed about it. Like you said, like she was dead set on this. And I was like, was she dead set or did she feel pressured? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's hard because to me, I'm like, sure. I'm, I, I mean, obviously she was afraid of losing her child, but she was with her child, you know, technically speaking. So it's, did she really truly believe that she was in a lunacy? You know, apparently enough to, to think that their, her life was done. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. And then I was also kind of, as I was doing my research, I was wondering too, I was like, in Amy's head, like not only is she concerned about losing her son, but was there also stuff going on in the background too with that ex-husband of hers, like where, you know, maybe she was still in love with him. Or maybe he didn't feel the same way back. You know, maybe that was another factor in this, you know, or, you know, something else that wasn't really reported because it was just going on with Amy herself. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was like, well, if you're going to threaten to take my child away, you can't have him either. Maybe it could be like something out of spite. Like if I'm going to lose him, you can't have him either. Yeah, maybe. So sadly, but also, I guess, kind of luckily, police did not find Timothy in the room, but they did find a note from Amy. So in the note, basically, Amy included in there that she was apologizing for the mess. So I thought that was kind of like, yeah, she probably made a huge mess. But (laughs) but also in the note, so this is in quotes to you guys. So this is directly from her, her suicide note. 
It says, Timothy was safe with people who would love and care for him, but he would never be found. So I was thinking, hmm. there's a lot of ways you can interpret that sentence. To me, at least. So what do you think, Darcy, she meant by that? I mean, the two easiest answers is she literally found people to take him, right? She maybe told them that he had a different name. Like, she may have told them the truth. Who fucking knows? She may have made a story. I don't know much about her fourth husband to make any assumptions. She may have offed the kid. Like, she may have, that's a terrible thing to say. She may have killed him, you know, because the theory of, oh, he'll go to heaven. Obviously, there's going to be angels there to take care of him, like, whatever. Just because you killed your kid and then killed yourself doesn't mean you killed each other in the same place. Like, what I find interesting is she calls her family to tell them that, oh, they're okay, but doesn't tell anybody anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is It is strange, you know, and seems awfully kind of, I guess, a little bit abrupt. But, you know, there's a lot of probably backstory there, too, that just was never really reported because it's really personal. But yeah, so going into, I'll take a step back because I know those are kind of some theories that are out there. To kind of give a little bit more detail, I'm going to go in to kind of like a timeline, a little bit more detailed timeline. Obviously, I told you about the synopsis of what happened and then basically where they kind of traveled to to try to piece together like Amy's thought process. So taking a step back, we're going to talk about the day that she took Timothy out of school. So a local auto shop employee comes forward to police once they obviously put that out on the, the news that he was missing and she was nowhere to be found as well. He came forward with some information stating that on the day he was taken out of school, she actually dropped off her vehicle to this auto shop. So this is at around on May 11th at around 10 a.m. So right after she probably picked Timothy up. Per the auto shop employee, he obviously took the car in and he's, Okay, well, so while we're doing all this service on it, I'll take you guys to the local zoo so you guys can spend some time there because instead of just sitting there waiting for the car to be done, they can, you know, at least have a good day with each other. Now, to me personally, Darcy, I don't know about you. I was like, that's awfully nice. But I guess like I have a different perspective when it comes to dropping a vehicle off at a place because we come from a very large city. So, you know, you don't really have that like community of like people doing things like that for each other like to me I was like I just dropped my vehicle off and they're like all right you better find a ride to get back home or else you're gonna be stuck here waiting you know kind of thing so it seemed a little strange yeah. but like I have to I guess think differently in the sense of this is a small town where I'm sure maybe she might have known the auto shop employer maybe she'd been there multiple times with Timothy so he was like trying to do them a nice thing maybe it was an ex-husband who knows <laughs> it didn't say ex-husband or else. You know, I'm pretty sure they would have. That was that. <laughs> so then Amy gets the car back at around 3 p.m. that day. And then she decides to drive to a place called Key Lime Cove Resort, which I guess is now known. I don't know if you've heard of these, Darcy. I know there is one in Arizona. It's called the Great Wolf Lodge. I've never heard of that. Okay, because yeah, like they're they have like little ads now out and everything. So it's very like kid oriented. It's basically like a water park resort that's like indoors. Oh. I mean, that would be great in Arizona. It's too hot to go to the water parks anyway. 
Yeah. And I mean, like it's a year round thing, you know, and this is in Illinois where it's obviously super cold, like a vast majority of the year. So it was kind of like a big deal. So, yeah. So she takes herself and Timothy over to this resort. And then so security footage would show the two of them checking in together, but they would stay for only one night. So on the next day, May 12th, Amy and Timothy drove to Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin, which basically was the same thing again. So it's another water park resort in Wisconsin nearby. So it seems like she's just trying to have a good time with Timothy at least, you know, which to me seems a little ominous because, you know, obviously something's up because she's just, let's go to this resort. Let's, you know, this, this resort, we went to a zoo, like, oh my gosh, all this fun, you know? So. And again, okay, on okay, I want to know, sorry, how is she paying for this? Is she paying cash? Is she paying credit card? Because couldn't he find her via credit card statements and she's using their card to pay for this kind of stuff? Like, how has he not been able to track her down? Exactly. So I'm assuming it was probably cash because, I mean, this is 2011 where, I mean, we're, we're pretty still at that point technologically advanced enough that I figured, like, they would have been able to track her. But, you know, I, that I don't truly know. Either way, like, they weren't obviously able to find her. So I'm assuming it's probably cash. So they, or maybe it was card. I don't know, because how were they able to find out, like, where she was? That's the thing. Is like, I guess with the investigation, like, how, I guess I don't know how long it actually takes to get that kind of information from, like, credit card companies. I mean, listen, if they're married... They, he can just call the credit card unless she had a credit card that he didn't know about. If she's paying with credit cards and she had a credit card he didn't have access to or didn't know about, then yes, I understand how that would take time to get records from the credit card company. But if they had a shared account in any way, he could just see it. If she's calling her parents, I mean, getting the phone records, okay, I understand that takes a little bit of time, but but she's not telling her family where she's at. I'm, that's just all really confusing to me. Like, yeah, 2011, we weren't like, super but it was like okay come on you can track people well enough with like credit card statements in 2011 to figure yeah. out where they are yeah and i mean like also keep in mind too that like i said earlier the investigation actually started one day after so we also have to think about that so they're like one day behind amy at least because james waited till okay, the fair. next day to contact police so there's also that. Okay, and I mean, it is completely logical, too, that they had separate bank accounts because like me and my ex-husband, we didn't have a shared bank account either. That is, it's definitely plausible now that like I really, truly think about it. So, you know, that might be the issue easier? there. Huh? So did it make your divorce a little easier? Oh, hell yes, it did. <laughs> so the moral of the story, kids. Keep separate bank accounts if you get married. Not because it's a bad thing or a good thing. It just also helps make things easier. Share where you need to share and then keep your stuff separate where you need to keep it separate. That's all. Yeah. I mean, it, honestly, that. to me, it awards a lot of arguments too because it's not, you know, it, we saw that like your money's your money, my money's my money. I earned it. You earned it. Like that kind of thing. If you want to spend it on something stupid, I mean, I can't really complain that you're spending my money. So, I mean, it awards arguments like that, you guys. So. Just to keep that in mind, if yep. anybody's ever getting married soon. The more you know, words of wisdom. Then they're done that. So, yeah. Okay, where was I? Okay, so, yeah. So, again, on the security footage, they would show the two of them together 
but checking out again on the following day, which would be May 13th at around 10 a.m. So later that day on May 13th, this is where it gets a little worrisome. So at around 7.30 p.m. on May 13th, remember she was found on May 14th. So on May 13th, the day before, at around 7.30 p.m., security cameras would then show Amy again, but this time alone. So she was in a place called Winnebago, Illinois, at a family dollar, which is like a, like a dollar store, you guys, purchasing stationery, so meaning like pens and papers, stuff to write on. But Timothy was not there. Now, after that purchase, Amy was then also seen at a local grocery store buying items, which I don't know what they were because they didn't list them. And none of my research said what exactly she was buying, so I'm not sure. But it specifically stated that she was again at the grocery store by herself. Timothy was not there. So from at some point between May 13th, 10 a.m. to May 13th at 7.30 p.m., where does Timothy go? That's the biggest question because... He's six years old. I mean, sure, she could have left him in the car, maybe. But, I mean, why? So. Well, don't leave your uh, kids in the car. Yeah, yeah, it's just not smart to leave your kids in a car. You know, I don't care how old they are. So, yeah. So that's that's kind of like the, the timeline. Now, we'll go into some of the evidence and stuff that they found. So going back to the scene at Rockford Inn, so on the 14th when they found her body, investigators did find the knife that Amy used to kill herself. They did obviously do some blood tests on it, some DNA testing. Luckily, it did not have any of Timothy's DNA on it. And they also found Amy's car. So in the car, they look at it from like obviously top to bottom, like scour it. They did say that they found a concerning amount of blood where Timothy would normally sit. But the family comes forward, I guess, Darcy, and said, oh, I'm not, we're, we're not concerned about that blood because I guess Timothy was known to have these crazy nosebleeds that were like uncontrolled and would be frequent. So they're like, I'm not super surprised that they would find a lot of blood in that seat area because he's just prone to it. I mean, it's kind of hard. So I get it. Yeah, I mean, so it's not like a damning piece of evidence like a lot of people would think, especially you know, having that knowledge, you know. So now on the car itself, they were able to take samples of soil, weeds, grass, like all that kind of stuff. Now, when they looked into the actual forensics of it, they were able to determine that the dirt was from like a road somewhere in northwestern Illinois, which I mean, yes, she was in the area. They knew that. So it's like, cool. I mean, we're just there's no way for them to truly pinpoint an actual location. Like I know like on forensic files and shows like that, sometimes there's this rare piece of dirt that's in one location only. But this isn't the case, sadly. Isn't that so uh, impressive that someone's whole job, they get to look at dirt and they're like, so this dirt is from this lake in this state from this time of the year. That's the only way that that protozoa in that dirt Yep. can be there like yeah fuck, man it is pretty mind-blowing but yeah it ha- you have to kind of get a little bit lucky in that like they have to be in a very specific place so it's i mean most dirt roads are just dirt roads you know mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of what they found on her car now like you said earlier darcy they did look at cell phone records so they were able to obtain those and kind of made like a little grid map based off of those phone calls that she was making to her family. So 
now I won't go into the actual locations only because I feel like for everybody, including myself and including you, Darcy, we're not familiar with the Illinois area. So if I spew out these locations or you're just going to be like, cool locations, like off of this interstate and then there's one off of this interstate. But I'm like, I, unless I'm staring at a map right now, which none of us are, and especially if you're listening to the podcast, I would be highly shocked if you're staring at a map. None of it would make any sense. So I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> so with all this information, Darcy, honestly, to this day, nobody's found Timothy. The sad part is, is he would be, as of this year right now, he would be 18 years old. Hmm. It's sad. We'll now dig into and kind of discuss more of the theories that you had also touched on earlier. So obviously you guys, the first theory is the case of murder-suicide. So meaning Amy committed suicide shortly after she murdered Timothy. I can see where a lot of people think this, especially based off that that note that she left. You know, it's very vague. You know, like you said, too, and I agree with that. It's like she could be writing that in the sense that, you know, Timothy is in heaven and people care and love for him there, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's extremely likely, sadly. Because the other theory is that Amy did leave Timothy with individuals. Now, it, I guess in this area of Illinois, there are there is a fairly decently large community of Amish people. So if you guys are unfamiliar with Amish, they live pretty much like off the grid. They don't have a whole lot of technology, so they don't watch TV. They don't have the news. They're pretty isolated and they don't really talk to outsiders unless you're Amish. So it's I mean, I could see where if she dropped him off at a place like that, that maybe he could be hidden still and, you know, nobody could find him. So, you know, I, I would, I, I hope maybe that's the case. But to me too, I, I have a hard time. Like you're familiar because you had your nephews. Like Timothy was six years old. So in my opinion, like a six-year-old, it's going to be kind of hard to truly I guess, in a sense, erase him knowing who he is. So it's like, what do you, what do you think, Darcy? Like, in regards to, do you think it's possible to raise a six-year-old and somehow make it to where he doesn't remember who he is? No. I mean, the only way that you could do that is through a copious amounts of trauma. Like, you're not going to be able to make a six-year-old forget who they are completely without a lot of psychological damage like that's putting hoping that physical violence puts them into some state of amnesia or enough trauma puts them into a state of amnesia and you know let's say she did drop him at an Amish community I'm not speaking for people in general but Amish aren't really known to be violent and just like terrible people again I'm not Amish I don't know but they tend to be very like, yeah, they keep to themselves. They're a close community. They live off the land. They produce everything that they need. You know, I feel like if she dropped an Amish community, one of the things was going to happen. They probably were going to go to their own council in form of government and governance and say, what do we do with this child? I don't think they're immediately going to go to the public police. Like that just... 
and I and I could be wrong, but just from what I do know about their community, they kind of have their own way of doing things unless they really need to get police involved outside of their community. So they would probably try to solve it from within. And I feel like there's probably a family that would be like, we'll take him in and we'll raise him. And I don't think they would tell him anything else. But if that's one thing about the Amish community, if they're not associating with the outside world, if they're not following the news, if they're not up to date with anything, for all they know, he just wandered in. I mean, unless he's like, my mom dropped me off here and left. Okay, to them, what are we going to do here? So it's entirely possible for him to be there and no one say anything because they don't know anything. They just know him by his name. But a normal person is going to be like, what's your mommy's name? What's your daddy's name? Where are you from? How did you get here? And they may try to contact the parents. The fact that no one has tried to make contact with any family members is interesting to me. That either seems like nobody knew and she killed them, which is the path I'm leaning towards, or she found a couple or people that were willing to take him way in advance and made some kind of pact to never say anything. That's the only two avenues that I can think of. And I'm leaning more towards like she killed her kid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's your, I have the same thought process as you because it's, like I said, I mean, at some point, you know, Timothy could even just be in the Amish community with other people and be like, I miss my mom and dad. And then that would be red flags right there. I mean, for somebody, for somebody, you know, and then, and then in nowhere did I read that Timothy had a bad relationship with his father. So I'm sure he probably misses dad too. So it's, I mean, Annie would have to somehow convince a whole community that James shouldn't be able to see his son ever again or convince them that he didn't have a father, which obviously Timothy would say that he did. And somehow they would have to be able to keep that promise knowing that she's now dead. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, but there, there is that hope. And I guess the last kind of horrific theory that there is, is that somehow Timothy wound up in the wrong hands and is like a victim of the like child sex trafficking reigns that there are, unfortunately, in this world. Yeah, I mean... As much as we hate to talk about it and as much as people want to deny it, like they're actually like sex trafficking and slavery is actually very prominent and going on. But we're, that's another podcast for another day. It's possible, but I think it's unlikely. I think she would rather kill her kid and kill herself than give her husband the satisfaction of taking her child from him we see this time and time again with moms that kill their kids and it's not just because their husband threatens to take them there's a bunch of other reasons and a bunch of other cases of they had postpartum depression and they felt like it's i can't remember her name but it's like the woman who drowned her kids in the in the lake outside in their of their backyard like her husband came home and all four of their kids were dead and she felt that that was the right thing to do like it's a martyr thing you know and while she didn't kill herself afterwards, like you see this time and time and time again, there's something about these women who kill their kids because they think that it's the only option to save them 
and then kill themselves. I mean, it's not just women. You see it. Husbands do that. They kill their whole family and they do this. It's not just a, a, a wife and mother thing, but you do see this kind of a lot. Which is why I'm like, it's highly likely she killed her son, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and it really, it needs to be known. Like, we need to, we need to do better as, like, a world for that fact. Not just the U.S. as a world. That, you know, we need to really shed some more light on, like, mental health. Like, we don't need to see it in such a negative way because, you know, you know, you always wonder, too, if Amy had gotten the help that she needed, if she was still suffering through the depression instead of James making threats to her and all these things, could the outcome been different, you know? Yeah, it's highly likely. And, you know, not to, I mean, I'll play devil's advocate, but to be honest, the U.S. is one of the worst states that talks about mental health. Like, it's not the only not as it states oh my god it's not the only country that basically backburners mental health but it is one of it is one of them the majority of the world doesn't like the majority of like first world countries don't have this problem like they do in the u.s and again i'm not going to get on that soapbox today but you're absolutely right i mean we can talk about it in relation to today's world and the fact that we've had more mass shootings this year than there are days. Like we can we can talk about that till I die, right? But we're not going to. But you're absolutely right. Who knows what could have happened if someone took her seriously and if someone kind of dug a little bit deeper into what was going on. Like we don't really have a lot of context on were they talking about divorce? Was he planning on leaving her? Was she planning on leaving him? And then this fight ensued. Like, we don't really know a bunch of that. So it makes it really hard to kind of figure out what would prompt all of this. But it's sad because the ultimate person who suffered in this is is Timothy. Like, he lost his mom and he lost his dad. Like, his dad lost his son. His family lost their grandchild, niece, nephew, or nephew, you know, cousin, whatever. There's a lot of people that got affected by this, but ultimately, Timothy lost everything at the end of the day and potentially lost his life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough, you guys. It is really rough. Now, I do have some latest updates to give you on this case. So in 2019, so just recently, yeah, only a few years ago, a woman in Newport, Kentucky, contacts police after she's approached by a young man. He was dirty, had bruises all over his body and his face. And he claimed to her that his name was Timothy Pitson and that he was 14 years old and he just wanted to go home, quote, unquote. He also stated that he had just escaped from a hotel room where two men had him hostage for a long time and had been sexually and physically abusing him for years. So, of course, immediately, the FBI rushes to the boy that's claiming to be Timothy to do the appropriate DNA testing. Unfortunately, it was not Timothy Pitson. So instead, it was a 23-year-old man named Michael Reaney. He also suffered from mental illnesses such as bipolar disorder and Asperger's syndrome. And... Investigators quickly found out through his records that this was not the first time he had done something like this. He had been 
he had done this before where he'd claimed to be somebody who was missing. And I don't know if it was for like attention or what, but either way, you know, it, it, that obviously put a lot of stress on the family and the Pitsons and everything. And it was sad. And so they did charge Michael and he would sentence, he would be sentenced to two years in prison for the hoax. Well, okay. Not going to help his condition and I get it, but damn. Yeah. So that was kind of shitty. Now, just recently in 2022, so last year, there was another article that came out and it contained information from Amy's sister named Kara Jacobs. So Kara, as, as well as the whole family, and as you know, together, they're pretty united in the fact that they all firmly believe that Timothy is still alive. So now Kara's theory sure. is that Timothy is with a family in Iowa. Now, when Kara finally, she's like, it took me a long time to have the courage to really look at a lot of the evidence herself because she was so traumatized by losing her sister that she said that once she was finally got the courage to look at this stuff, like especially the cell phone records and like the pinpoints on the map, because obviously she's very familiar with these areas. She said that when she looked at the map, she had an idea that on one of the highways Amy was pinpointed on, there is like, she said, there's like a left-hand turn to like another highway, basically, you can get on that will take you to Iowa. Now, this is important because Amy had actually lived with her grandparents for a, a short time in the 90s, I guess. And her grandparents lived in Iowa. So she kind of was able to, per Kara, create these friendships possibly and like these bonds with some people in Iowa. So Kara thinks that, you know, maybe we should start really looking in Iowa because maybe it's somebody that she knew there that she felt confident enough to be like, here's my son. Don't tell anybody, you know, who he is, that kind of thing. But again, you know, and I, I get they need to have that hope that Timothy is still alive. But also, like I said, why hasn't somebody or Timothy himself said something, you know? Exactly. I mean, normally the only way that you could get the child specifically is fear, right? Or if you lie to him, like fear and lying tend to be the only ways of getting somebody to keep quiet like that. I mean, because he obviously he knows that his mom died. Like he's not going to not know that. Unless people kept him sheltered for so long and convinced him otherwise. But at a certain point, he's going to grow up enough to figure things out for himself. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, he's, he's going to be eight, he's 18 right now. You know, he would have been 18. So obviously the search continues. So my last little bit of information for you guys is please, if anybody has any information regarding Timothy Pitson, you're urged to reach out to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You can just type in Timothy Pitson, you know, offer any kind of information you have. You know, if you think of anything, just reach out. But that's, that's the disappearance. So it's, you know, it's still an open case. We do, we still don't know. Like I said, he's 18. I do have a picture for you, Darcy. So that way we can post it on social media on one of like our, our little postings that we do or one of our reels. The, the Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they did a really good job at, um, you know, how they could do the, the, this is what he looked like then. This is what he would look like when he's mm -hmm. 18, basically. So we'll provide that for people to look at too. Cause you know I mean? They did a really good job. But yeah, so my source is really quick is I did look at, it's called historicmysteries.com. And there was an article there by Lauren Dillon. 
And then there was NBC Chicago. Sorry, stutter. Chicago. There is an article by Rob Stafford and Lisa Capitini. And that was the one that was in 2022. So very recent, you know, there's still hope, you guys. The end. Well, bravo in the saddest way possible. And all the information that she said, we'll also have in the description box below. So all the information you need to get in contact, we'll provide that down there. And we'll also share that stuff on social media. So, the I mean, the shitty news is, is we both have really depressing stories. <laughs> I know. I know. I was like, oh, I feel bad. That's why I think this this article or this topic, that one week I was in, I was like, oh. It's really dark and well, not really dark, but kind of, it's just sad. So yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I know this wasn't one of our more comical episodes, but I, mean, I felt like it was important, you know, because it, it needs, you know, stories like these still need to get traction. You know, if there's ever going to be a resolution, you know, if there's, like I said, there's always that hope that they are still alive. So sometimes it's just putting that information out there. You know, you never know. Couldn't be our podcast that helps. <laughs> Who knows? And at the end of the day, like disappearances are always sad. It's <laughs> Like yep. the not having an answer drives everyone insane. It's off topic. I mean, but I am very excited. I I was kind of catching up on that Lori Vallow story about the missing Tylee and JJ, the missing kids. She's uh, been, trial has happened this month. And so they were in trial yesterday and a couple of days before. And I'm so excited to catch you all up to date. We'll have to do some, a short, like a, we'll do a little mini thing of it and all that posted everywhere but i need to get you guys up to date on what's going on with the lori vallow stuff because of her missing children that you know she killed but that's besides the point so thank you shannon that was incredibly depressing and i'm <laughs> going to come at you with something as equally depressing so double thumbs i mean i was you guys i was honestly it was either going to be this which is very depressing or there was a topic that i started to look into and it fucking terrified me so i was like if it scares me like i don't know about this one well now we need to know it you know maybe we can make it like a bonus or something for you know viewer discretion advised or listener discretion advised because it's fucking terrifying it'll give you nightmares have you guys ever heard of or you darcy have you ever heard of the russian sleep experiment yes i have that shit is fucking what are you gonna cover it I don't know. I was like, I was starting to read about it. And like, I was reading the whole story. Oh God, so please cover it. Oh my God. So. Do, it, do it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a oh, lot. That, so yeah, that would, that would be like an extra that so. if you're brave enough, you can listen to the story, please. Well, I'm going to pull a, a Christine and just say, one of us write that down. Darcy, write that down. Featured us, you write that down. Put it on the list on the Google Doc. Knew, oh, I of episodes you have to do. <laughs> oh, you do? Okay, Shannon, write that Wait, down. I'm starting my list. <laughs> okay, good. I need someone to keep, we need somebody to keep track of shit. So thank you. Yep. Oh my God, I'm super here for it. We'll make an, we'll make an Instagram poll. We'll ask, we'll ask everybody. Do you want to hear this terrifying How much they want you? Ago. I fucking do because the, the rush to sleep experiment is fucking wild. Okay, so we're getting off chop. I'm getting so excited now. And don't worry, we'll do, we'll do advisory warnings. It's fine. Okay, so thank you all so much for being here. You can find us on Instagram at TAK2Podcast. You can send us an email at TAK2Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Take a Killer to Brunch. And if you're watching on YouTube, you're already here, but you can also watch our episodes on YouTube. 
at, at Take a Killer to Brunch. If you liked this episode, it would be a huge support to the podcast if you could like it on whatever platform you're listening to. Subscribe if you're on Facebook or follow us if you're listening to us on the podcast via Podbean or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're in a million places like iHeartRadio. So please like us and follow us if you want to hear more. And if you're also watching on YouTube, hit the little notification button. But we're super happy that you guys are here. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the next one. So cheers. Cheers. Bye, guys. Bye.